I was sold on the concept. I just wasn't sold on myself executing it yet by that point. Everyone I saw was doing it the other way. It was doing it the old school way. And I was like, that must be how it's done. But I I never been one to just accept the norm. I'd rather figure out a way to make any deal so good by getting it on terms that it doesn't matter whether it's a, a flip market or not. And my first hang up was, number one, can we buy equity over the phone? And I thought that maybe we could do that. And I thought probably. And so it became pretty apparent very quickly that, yes, we can. Hey, guys, Brad here with Investor Creator. And today we have a very special guest. We have my friend Avi Rosowski, who's from Houston, Texas. Avi's a very good wholesaler. He does virtual wholesaling across the country. And let me tell you, Avi knows how to generate high motivated seller leads. You're going to want to listen to that. And without further ado, here's Avi. Avi, welcome to Investor Creator. Thank you, Brad, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. So just kind of tell us about your background. I mean, what you started from, where you're from, and, and kind of the, the transition into real estate, why real estate and all of that. Just kind of give the, our audience a little bit of who is Avi. Sure. First and foremost, I, I am a, a husband and father of three. My wife and I are... Actually, we live in Houston right now. We're moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't know if I told you that, but we're moving to Charlotte in a couple of months. Very cool. Born and raised in Albany, New York. Lived in a bunch of places around the country. And I actually lived in Israel when I was very, very young. But I sort of fell into real estate. I, I don't know if I told you too much of my background, but for about five years now, I have had a, uh, a lead generation service. So I, I help other clients generate seller leads and, and specifically motivated seller leads. And over the course of the last couple of years, I've, I've decided to become my own client. So you know, I've always wanted to become the beneficiary of my own leads. And, and so wholesaling uh, and specifically virtual wholesaling is, is how I've done that. Well, that's super cool because it seems like almost everybody that I've ever met, they go into real estate and they try to figure out the lead generation side. So like you had the lead generation side and decided, okay, like let's monetize these leads. And so that, that's super cool. So what did you see in those leads that you were like, I have to get into this? I, honestly, just the motivation. And then I compared it to whenever I was talking to anybody, let's say it was a new client that I was working with or people I, I talked to that you know weren't even clients, they would tell me about what they were doing for leads. And I was sitting there like, wait, you're not, you're knocking on doors, you're driving for dollars, you're doing direct yeah. mail. Like, why are you doing that? And, right. and it's, you know, some of them are just, it's the cheaper free way to go. But I knew that I've known the power for about five years of an internet lead. And, and when somebody's got intent, specifically when they're going to Google or Bing and, and they're typing in something very specific and they want that now, for example, a cash offer for their house. Right. I, I could never think, well, why would I want to deal with anybody else who's not that motivated? It, it, it just seems like a waste of time. Yeah. And that's one thing I'll say, and I'm big on talking about push versus pull marketing. So it's like if you're pushing people with direct mail or, you know, the newest thing is ringless voicemail, which I think probably is the new direct mail or, um, (laughs) you know, knocking doors, you're really pushing people to talk to you. But if you're there when they're looking for you, like the the Google AdWords leads, it's a big, big difference in the motivation. And, And it's a big difference in the negotiation. A lot of people don't really realize that. But I remember Avi at one point, and I used to know the numbers. I don't really keep up with it now. But with our Google AdWords leads, we were getting like every 12 leads, we were buying a house. I mean, that's when I was sold on it because at that point, it was like, it's certainly never going to happen with direct mail. It's not going to happen door knocking. It's not going to happen certainly driving for dollars. So I was sold at that point and, and it's been great. So 
That's awesome. That's another great numbers. Yeah, that, they were. They were, and I don't know what they are now, but they're not that good. So tell me about your first deal. So you decided I'm going to be an investor. What was your first deal? What did that look like? So my first deal, and I think I've shared part of the story with you, but my first deal wasn't on my own. My first deal was with a client. I co-invested in some campaigns with a few clients and one of them said, hey, I'll give you a piece of the action if we close it and, and you know, a lesser fee for the lead side. So that was kind of when I got my feet wet. But the first deal on my own was a, uh, was a, a deal. It was, it was a virtual deal without knowing what virtual wholesaling was. Technically, it was some guy I knew was motivated because he typed in sell my house fast. And he came from a little town in Texas between Fort Worth and, and Abilene. It's called Breckenridge, Texas. Okay. Not to be confused with Breckenridge, Colorado, right. <laughs> which would have been a great lead. Difference. Um, yeah. And it was a, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a purchase price of $41,000. The seller had run into some financial hardship. I think he had lost his job, if I remember correctly. And he had a private loan on the house and he just wanted to get out of it. Okay. So you bought that deal for 41. What did you end up selling it for? First of all, it took forever because I, I had no idea what I was doing. It What's took, forever? I think it was about seven or eight weeks. I have to look back at exactly how many days from, from contract to funding. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was almost two months. I almost, I'm almost positive about that. And I, just tried every angle possible. The seller was awesome. He was just patient as could be. And he was just like, you know, thank you for the communication. I always kind of kept him updated on, you know, when we could close. But yeah, we sold it for uh, 46.5. And it was, okay. it, and the reason I was having a hard time with it, which I know now, is the numbers were terrible. It was, it was a retail buyer that ended up buying it. Uh, they just had, she and her husband happened to have cash and they did, they wanted to do the whole rehab on the house. It was like, it was like a half rehabbed house. The, the well wasn't hooked up. It was like terrible shape. And all the investors were offering in the 20s, in the teens, maybe close, not even close to 30. But uh, you weren't like, oh, at like 70% minus repairs on this. You, you'd kind of overpaid and, and got lucky on that one. Yeah, I overpaid. And if, like, if it was a deal in Fort Worth or in Dallas, it, it would have been fine because I think ARV technically was in the 105 range. Okay. Uh, but repairs, I, I didn't really even know how to estimate repairs on it. I was like saying, oh, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000. Yeah. And, you know, every investor was telling me it was more, but the retail buyer, she, she was like, we'll, we'll do it. We just want a place. It was on five acres, actually. So it was a, it was a nice big lot. Yeah. I'll, for some reason, I always have really great luck owner financing stuff that has land. It's like if we have more than two or three acres, people just eat it up. So yeah, well, yeah they're more appealing. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. So that was your first deal. So at that point, were you sold on the real estate business or were you still kind of like, ah, that deal is kind of tough? You know, wh tell me what you were thinking then. I w so I wasn't necessarily, I, I was sold on the, the concept. I just wasn't sold on myself executing it yet by that point. I knew, I knew wholesaling and real estate in general was, was off-market real estate, not, not retail. It was a great business to get into. But no, I was mostly just focused on my, my lead generation uh, at that point, working with my clients and uh, and I knew there was a way to figure out, you know, how to monetize this more because, like I said, I, I came from the background of I know how to get leads, I know how to get them motivated. So there's there's right. got to be something to this. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. So at that point, you're like still kind of fifty fifty between the lead gen world and the real estate world. So at what point was it like all in real estate? Probably not till this year, 2019. I I really, I really yeah, I really believe that. I mean, I I always wanted to like I was gravitating towards I want to do more deals. Because it's more fun. It's way more fun to talk to sellers than it is to talk to you know wholesalers who who have been burned by fifteen other lead generation companies. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. So, are you still doing the lead gen side? For yeah, yeah, I still I still work with clients. So, I still absolutely work with clients, and and it's good. I mean, I I, I, I it's very important to set expectations though, because I you know I've worked with local clients 
meaning like clients that want deals in their local market uh-huh. and clients that want deals anywhere. And it, you know, it all comes down to the expectations on how much it costs. Cause it costs a lot more to get a local deal than it does to get a, a virtual deal. That, um, that's and that's one great, of the reasons I've gone virtual. Great point. So I guess for, for the people, maybe they're newer, they, they don't understand the concept of virtual wholesaling. So what's the difference in like a traditional local wholesaler and what you're doing? So the, the only difference is that everything is done over the phone. Um, in, in other words, we're still getting a lead coming in, whether it's, you know, we're using Google obviously, but lead comes in, is interested in selling their house. You know, we're screening for motivation, but we're doing it all over the phone. We're not, our close on the phone is not, okay, you know, when can I come see your house tomorrow at X time? It's, it's the continuation of that whole conversation and negotiating down to the deepest discount that seller's willing to let the sellers willing to let their, their house go for. And it's a, a lot of times it's very advantageous because, you know, we're beating a local wholesaler to the punch or a local investor to the punch by digging in to, to get a real commitment on that phone instead of a sort of a stopping short of, okay, we're sort of committed. They're, they're letting me in their house. And a lot of people don't really know that that's possible until you try it. And it totally is possible. So did you have any hangups about the the possibility of that? Because I did whenever I kind of moved more to that model. So it's like we're buying and selling in different states and all that. And my first hangup was, number one, can we buy equity over the phone? And I thought that maybe we could do that. And I thought probably. And so it became pretty apparent very quickly that, yes, we can. But my second hangup was, can I get terms? Can I buy subject to? Can I get owner financing over the phone? And we've been able to do that. So did you kind of go through that same transition like I did or were you pretty adamant? Uh, yeah, I, I was because, because everyone around me and everyone I, I see in the wholesaling space, uh, and I, I'm, I'm speaking through the lens of a wholesaler, even though I'm trying to kind of move more in your direction with owning paper and owning cash flow. But everyone I saw was doing it the other way. It was doing it the old school way. And I was like, that must be how it's done. But I, I never really wanted to just accept the norm. So um, I had some hesitation, but I, I built up a lot of belief in it by seeing other people do it who, who are doing it successfully. Yeah. One person I'll tell you is Rob Swanson. Um, I don't know if you know Rob. And I don't, I don't even know Rob personally, but I've seen a lot of his content on how he does virtual. I think his company is called Real Estate From Anywhere. But he, he's put out a lot of content that he basically goes against the, the conventional wisdom of, oh, well, you have to be belly to belly with a seller to be able to get the best discount. And, and his philosophy, and, and you know, he proves it with his team, is you don't have to be. And so I, that's when I kind of started testing it like, Maybe there's something to this, uh, and then I looked at uh, what's the guy from Express Home Buyers. Um, you know, he built a very large operation doing everything over the phone uh, with a phone, you know, phone team. And and so the more I realized that there are people doing it, I was like, well, I'm just one guy, it's, but I I can do it at some level. So and then obviously with more activity comes more belief and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So within the negotiation platform that that you're doing, do you do you find that sometimes it is difficult on the phone to, to get that discount or is it that the motivation is already there by the time you're with them? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I think the motivation is typically uh, there. If, if somebody gives me a hard time, they're usually not, not somebody we do a deal with. Like it's, it's uh, you know, like, well, what company are you calling from? I see you're calling from Texas. What, you know, I'm in North Carolina. It's like, yes. Can we talk about your house? Right. <laughs> Can we talk about your situation? But usually the most motivated sellers, ones that actually will come through and sign and, and the deals close, they tend to be really, they don't care where I am. Right. So they, they feel like you're going to provide that solution and that's all that really matters. Exactly right. And, yeah. yeah and, and that has to come across to you know, whoever's doing it. It has to come across like, 
setting expectations is so critical and communicating not only to get the signature, but after that and, yes. and you know, what's happening. And, you know, yeah. and, and, and I would 100% agree. I've noticed that on some of our transactions out of state that we really have to make contact like the day after and the day after that contract is signed for them to feel like there is real finality because they've never met us. They, you know, and right. all that. So that makes a lot of sense to me. So what do you think, do you see any changes of strategy coming up for you? So, I mean, a lot of people are talking about the market is kind of shifting and I mean, you're on a national platform, so I guess you really don't care about that at the local level, certainly, but do you see any changes in strategy coming up that you think either the market or, or whatever's going to impact? Definitely buying on terms. I mean, you, you're definitely instrumental in, in helping me do that is figuring out how to get a great deal, but then switch to terms right after that. And so I think that's the big shift for me. And, and everybody I talk to that's doing sub two deals or you know anyone that's involved in, in any kind of seller financing, that they just see that you know wholesaling is going to have a limit to it, let's just say. There's, there's always going to be flippers out there that you can wholesale a property to. Right. I'd rather figure out a way to make, a deal, make any deal so good by getting it on terms that it's, it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, a, a flip market or not. And, and honestly, I like the whole livable house model anyway. I, when I first started doing it, I was very excited every time a house would come through and you know, the seller would tell me how many repairs are needed and it was a total wreck. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, great, I'm going to get it real cheap until I realized that you, know, you can't find a buyer, especially in the middle of nowhere, for a trashed house. So I'd much rather have a livable house that's cash flowing. And, and so that, that's what I kind of keep my antennas up for now is, is livable houses instead of trashed houses. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned smaller markets and I, I've heard you talk about like a, a, metro, a town of 50,000 would be like a major metro as far as like what for, you... For me, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you see is, is typical and do you see that there are markets that are just like almost too small? So it's like for us, if we're in Littleton, Kansas, if there is such a thing, I don't know if that's a deal that I really want, but I, I can certainly be wrong on that. So do you see that there are towns that are too small? Yeah. So like, I think 30 to 50,000 is a really nice sweet spot in terms of population size. If it's two, three, 4,000 people, it's very hard because there's not a lot. I mean, if I put a deal out on Facebook Marketplace for you know owner financing or for rent or whatever, there's just not a lot of traffic. And you know, the seller knows the you know, knows the pastor and the mayor and the sheriff. And it's like, everyone knows the house, right? Uh, and they're like, oh yeah, we don't want that house. But 30,000 is a nice, like there's enough meat in that kind of market. Uh, right. We're working a deal in Hutchinson, Kansas right now where it's like, okay, we've got people with money, you know, a $0 down deal. We've got seller, uh, buyers coming in with six, right now 6,000 is the highest we're getting, but we'll, we'll try to get eight, 10,000, however much we can on a down payment. And as long as there's some kind of industry that's employing people, either in that town or, or, you know, relatively short distance, 15, 20 minute drive away from there. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for is, is are there people with stable income around there? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So tell me like, what is a, a deal that stands out in your mind as being like one of your best deals? So if, if, if you had to tell someone like you, you're not going to believe this one, you know, good or bad, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, about some of the deals that just kind of stick out in your mind. Two things come to mind. One is a deal that, and I, and I work with partners on both of them. And that's, that's a huge thing in virtual. You have to rely on other people. Sometimes it takes a haircut on the profit, but that, that's okay. So one of them is, you know, sort of unreal because it was like, nobody could wholesale this property. It's in the middle of freaking nowhere. And then the other one was a nice, nice numbers deal. The, the middle of nowhere one was Springfield, Vermont. And I worked with a, a really good friend of mine and partner, Luke Mitchell. I don't know if you know Luke, but he, I was like, I can't find a buyer. Good, good luck. 
Luke, take it, you know, we'll all JV on it if you, if you can find somebody. And he found a buyer in the middle of Springfield, Vermont, which is, I'm not looking now, but I think it's like, I'll look a little bit. I think it's like two or 3,000 people. So one of those impossible markets yeah. happened to be a guy, the guy, the buyer actually happened to be from Houston. And we didn't, we didn't realize that until we were, you know, in the middle of closing the deal, but, but he wanted it and he was going to put some work into it. There was total wreck. Uh, the person who lived there, unfortunately, had passed away. Uh, and then the second deal was in not Fort Wayne. It was uh, Boonville, Indiana, just outside of Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. And that was a good one. That was a flip property. It was ARV was about 165 to 170 range. And we got under contract for 32 and made a good 22,000. But that was, a, that was with a JV partner and he found the buyer and I got the seller and, and we were both happy. Actually, all, three, all four of us were happy. Wholesaler, A, B, seller and buyer. Yeah. And that's perfect. I mean, the win-win deals are the best. So what would you say on these transactions that you really don't have like a buyer list or whatever, I'm assuming for a lot of these deals. So at that point, you're like basically co-wholesaling with another wholesaler and they're bringing the buyer in? That's one. So that's usually the fastest method. If, you know, if there is a hungry wholesaler that knows what he or she is doing in that market, that yes, definitely will co-wholesale. If that strategy is not available, let's say there's no wholesalers or I don't want to share the profit. Uh, there's there's seven or eight other methods to use. So for example, multiple avenues on Facebook itself. So Facebook ads, Facebook marketplace, Facebook groups, both national groups and and local groups, and then of course you know the old school Craigslist and um, I can't basically anything digital that I have my fingertips on. I can I can do. I can't can't put banded signs in. I don't really want to pay somebody to do that. Even let go. I think I mentioned this to you the other day. I don't know if you have the app Let Go, but people sell all kinds of stuff on the Let Go app. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it, but uh, a seller told me about it. She, she was like, "Oh yeah, I've had this house listed for three months with a realtor. It was it was somewhere north of Dallas in Texas. I forget exactly the market." She's like, "The realtor didn't do anything," and, I, and then she's like, "But I've had four showings." I was like, "Well, wh- how did you get the four showings if the realtor isn't doing anything?" She's like, "I got those myself." Well, I said, "Okay, well, how did you get them?" <laughs> and she said, "Oh, I just put it on Let Go." And I was like, "Like the app that they have commercials for?" She's like, "Yeah." So I checked it out, and and it actually gets some decent traction. I haven't never done a deal through let go, but I'll, I'll test it to the ends of the earth. If it, if it works, uh, you know, wherever I can get eyeballs on the property. Yeah. And, and that, that makes sense. I don't know of any new platforms marketing wise that are coming up that, that may be great. I mean, that may be a good one. So we'll have YouTube, to, uh, you know, YouTube, uh, I, I've tested on the seller side and I, I'll, I've yet to do that on the buyer side, but yeah, I'll test anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes, uh, I certainly agree there. So, do you see any changes in strategy coming up that you think would would impact what you're doing? So, and I guess the five-year forecast, one thing that I'm really looking at is, at least nationally, we're seeing that slow down. Do you think that moving to the owner finance model is something that you think you're going to do? Or are you going to do? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. Both? Definitely. I mean, I'll tell you that Boonville, Indiana deal I was telling you about. Yeah. The buyer, so the buyer buys it for 54.9, I think. And, you know, he gets to work on the house and, and literally the day, like the weekend after he bought the house, he starts working on the house and he told me he had somebody drive up in a pickup truck said, Hey, can I buy this house from you? And like, and he had just put 54 in and the guy was, it, it, he didn't end up buying it, but the guy was offering somewhere in the 90 to a hundred thousand dollar range. So it was just like, it opened my eyes to this whole buyers will buy as is kind of rough, but semi livable. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, owner finance is, you know, from everything I'm seeing, from what you're doing, you know, Mitch Stevens, Ron LeGrand, all, all these players out there that have, know way more than I do, 
there's it's so recession proof, right? There's so many uh, advantages to being the bank, basically, right? And yeah, and so I definitely want to move towards that. Yeah, one thing that I keep coming back to is how big the buyer pool is for owner finance properties. So, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like in January, thirty-one percent of uh, mortgage applications were denied, which means right now, mid-April, that basically for every two houses that are selling retail, another one could be sold had the people been able to get the money. And that's a big, you know, cool. Well, Avi, man, I appreciate it. It, How do people get in touch with you if they're interested in your your lead service or what you're doing with that? Oh, just uh, find me on Facebook. I'm the only Avi Rosowski on Facebook. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's the easiest way usually. Yeah. And and Avi knows this stuff guys. So if you're interested in that, definitely give Avi a shout. Avi, appreciate it, man. Enjoyed it. And uh, I know the listeners did too. Oh, thank you so much, Brett. It was a pleasure.